I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. My whakarongo Mikey extra time, Kuravinda Hunia Aho. This week, the Crusaders dominate this round of All Black selections. The Black Ferns are in preparations for next week's test against Australia. Women's Warriors team gets set to make rugby league history tonight, but without key Kiwi Fern players. And boxer Joseph Parker's not ready to hang up the gloves just yet. The Crusaders reign supreme in Super Rugby again and that's been reflected in the All Black squad for the Rugby Championship which is more notable in its omissions than selections with some top players missing out. Cathy Walsh spoke to our rugby reporter Joe Porter about the All Black squad, who's been dropped and why they've been axed and the Crusaders all-conquering run to a record ninth Super Rugby title. Well, I guess it's the players that have been left out probably that are the most interesting. Nani Laumapia from the Hurricanes and Via Fafita, I suppose. Matt Todd would be another name you'd throw in there to be unlucky. Laumapia, probably the biggest surprise. He's been part of that All Blacks team for a while now and was the Hurricanes Rugby Player of the Year for the second year running. So he was a bit of a surprise to miss out to Jack Goodhue, of course, in good form with the Crusaders. But Hansen says, Coach Steve Hansen said that Laumapia needs to work on his communication with, with the first five a strength of Ryan Crotty's and one of the reasons why Richie Moang has been going so well at the Crusaders. So obviously some work-ons there for, for Lani, although he will be on the end of year tour, as will Vaya Fafita, who's been dropped because the All Blacks feel he's best at number six and basically he's been playing lock all year. So they want to see him get some game time at blindside flanker and he's another one who'll be on the end of year tour. So some interesting selections in, or omissions, I suppose, in that sense. Um, and the loose forwards preferring the likes of Luke Whitelock, a veteran, a seasoned campaigner, but not the most terribly exciting of loose forwards. And then you've got the young guys, Jackson Himorpour and Shannon Frizzell from the Highlanders, who are, I guess, two up-and-comers and, and players that the selectors feel like have a bigger future. So some interesting omissions there. Poor old Matt Todd misses out again. And the two uncapped players, Te Toiro Tahuri Orangi, uncapped halfback. I guess we'll get yet to see what he's like in the black jersey. Time to blood him, I imagine, this series, as well as Tim Perry, the Crusaders prop. So, not the most surprising selection, I guess, there from Coach Steve Hansen as he looks to really nail this team down before next year's World Cup. Safety over um, experimentation, probably, in that case. Yeah, you'd, you, you, would, you would assume so, looking at the team. They've got to try, try and settle on their best combinations. They've got all these tweaks and new game plans they want to implement before next year so they really have to start nailing those and you're only going to do that by getting consistent selections so I imagine it's yeah a little bit of depth building a little bit of finding out whether players can handle it at test level but most of this is about settling on the best lineup and making sure they've got that game plan nailed before the end of the year. And Steve Hansen's been trying to nail the uh, the underdog status do you th- <laughs> feel that's going to go down well with 
Yeah, classic Steve Hansen. That's a bit of a joke, really. And Sterling Mortlock, former Wallabies, come out and labelled it as much. I mean, the All Blacks have to be heavy favourites, defending Bledisloe rug- uh, Cup holders and rugby championship winners. Uh, and they haven't lost to Australia in a long, long time. So, was it 26 matches or something like that? So, yeah, uh, Aussie haven't won the Bledisloe Cup since 2002. So, no, the All Blacks are definitely heavy favourites. However, I think they'll come up against a lot stiffer competition from both Australia and the Springboks this year, especially with the Springboks under Rassi Erasmus. They look like they're perhaps found a little bit more of their traditional strengths they'll go back to and they might find themselves a bit more of a cohesive unit and the Wallabies some of those super teams in Aussie started to show some good signs near the end of the season they've got guys like David Pocock back so they'll be probably a different beast this year as well and they seem to have made some good young selections with some guys like Pete Samu from the Crusaders and a few others as well and the Super Rugby final the Crusaders dominance over the Lions there's nothing too much you can take from that no, <laughs> apart from perhaps Richie Moanga starting at first five ahead of Bowden Barrett, though Steve Hansen this week's done his best to shoot that down at every opportunity. So, I mean, I can see why the Crusaders fans are baying for Richie Moanga to start at first five, but you've got to remember, like Hansen said, he's been running behind a Rolls-Royce pack that's been moving forward every game, so you'd imagine that Bowden Barrett would be able to exert as much influence had he been behind the Crusaders pack. What will be interesting is to see whether or not Mwanga can do it on the big stage for the All Blacks, especially if they're not going forward the way the Crusaders were. That'll be the real test of his generalship around the field. But he deserves a crack, no doubt about it, and he showed he can step up on big games because he was the man of the match in the finals. So Richie Mwanga definitely deserves a crack, but I'm with Hanson on this. Bowden Barrett deserves a start. He's played, what, 70-odd tests and has been there, done that IRB player of the year twice. So people shouldn't be writing Bowden Barrett off just yet, I don't think. And the Rolls-Royce pack, is that going to be in operation against Australia and South Africa? Well, yeah, for the large part, you've got Kieran Reid back in the All Blacks, which I guess is quite exciting after his extended break from the national side, so he'll be fizzing. Um, and uh, obviously, if you're the other Crusaders veterans there as well, Sam Whitelock, the whole front row, of course, and, and a few guys like Wyatt Crocker that missed out. So, yeah, uh, the Crusaders forward pack is essentially the All Blacks forward pack, Scott Barrett and Whitelock in the second row there. So... You look for them to continue that, I guess, momentum they've taken, and, and they'll be hitting the ground running in Sydney. They'll be looking to come out firing that blues in Sydney because it's usually Australia's best chance to get one over us. Joe Porter speaking to Kathy Walsh. The New Zealand Black Ferns are preparing for their first international test match since winning the Women's Rugby World Cup last year. Before they play rivals Australia next week as a curtain raiser to the Bledisloe Cup, the team have decided to finish camp in Mount Maunganui with a game of three halves tournament against Bay of Plenty in Auckland. I started off by asking head coach Glenn Moore if this exercise would determine a starting lineup. Every player has been told since we've been here in the last two days that you know, it's an opportunity for them to put their hand up and, and press for a, um, a position in the 23 for next weekend. And, you know, I think um, everyone understands that, that every opportunity we get to put on that jersey has got to be our best performance. And, um, you know, no one's under any false illusion there. You haven't really had a big match since the World Cup. Is this a great time for you as a coach to test out those combinations against different players? Yeah, no, it is, and um, you know, once again, we've got um, you know we've got eight new caps in here, and uh, you know, it's all whilst it's not uh, completely green to them, uh, you know, some of them have been in our program from a wider point of view within a you know a group of fifty-five to sixty players for a couple of years now, so they they know how we operate in here, and you know, so it's pretty seamless. But you know, there's a lot more pressure when it comes time to actually 
pulling on the jersey and playing in a full-blooded test match. 2021 is very far away, but Raylene Castle's come out and said that she's putting in you know, a bid to host the Rugby World Cup for the first time in the Southern Hemisphere. What are your thoughts on that, and are you in any discussions with anyone about having it here? Oh, look, I'm aware that um, New Zealand are also uh, putting a bid in for that, and um, you know, I think uh, if it does come down to New Zealand winning that, I think we will get uh, really good support around the country. I mean, we've seen a real lift in momentum behind the women's game uh, in New Zealand, and and as we know, we are very, very capable of running those sorts of events. We have we have great um, stadiums and that around the country, and uh, you know, I think we would do a good job of that. Do you get any say in the matter, or is it all, is it all strictly people at the no, top, Steve Chu, etc.? There's obviously uh, a big team of people that work on that, and uh, you know they specialise in that area. So we leave we leave that to them, and I'm sure at some point that uh, a lot of those details or opportunity around those details will get discussed with us. Looking forward to the Laurie O'Reilly Memorial Trophy. The Black Ferns have always held it. How important is it for you to retain that trophy? Oh, it's, it's very important. I mean, uh, you know, we we treat that the same as the Bledisloe Cup for the men, and you know, it's a high priority uh, trophy, and and we all know that uh, not a lot of love lost between Australia and New Zealand when they get uh, an opportunity to compete against each other, and you know, so that, so retaining that is is actually important. But you know, our approach to that is we've got to win it. That was Black Ferns coach Glenn Moore. The women's Warriors team will feature for the first time tonight in a historic trial match at Mount Smart Stadium against Auckland before their male counterparts take on the Newcastle Knights in the NRL. I sat down with head coach Luisa Avaiki as her side prepared to make New Zealand rugby league history and also talk about key New Zealand players and their decision to play for Australian league teams. We're really looking forward to being able to get out there firstly to play on home turf in front of family and friends and obviously the first time ever our team's going being able to represent this club and it's a you know inaugural women's competition everything's a first so you know that all the excitement around that but also because for us it gives us an opportunity to play against a competitive side so that we can see where we're at in terms of all the trainings that we've had leading up to this to be able to execute our game plan um, moves and our defensive patterns, everything that we've been working on. Do you feel a sense of pressure to come out and do a really good performance on the first hit out? Uh, no, I don't feel pressure, only because I know what this game means for us uh, and the significance of this game. Like Obviously, it'll be the first time the fans see us and even the club people, and I know there should be pressure around that, but the way that we've gone about this team is that everything's about us. Even though all the external things are pressures are around us, we have to really focus on ourselves and we've got to focus on what our job is and what we're trying to get out of this. So this, the whole thing around this is what, how does this warm-up game benefit us as a team? How does it benefit my players individually? And how does it benefit even me in terms of seeing you know, how we execute those plays, what we're doing, if it's our fitness levels are up to where we are, have expected them to be at this point in time. So all of that stuff, knowing that that's the, the information that I need out of this game rather than everyone looking in and judging us on what 
how we are at the moment. I kind of feel confident that because we know what we want out of it, there's really not that much pressure. I knew coming into this that I would be most probably the, the first woman coach in NRL. But I guess in my journey in rugby league, I've been in, in rugby league for so long that we've kind of had to lead, especially here in New Zealand, in females rugby league, and we've kind of had to lead a lot of our teams, whether it's from club, whether it's provincial or international. We've always kind of been leading from the forefront. We've done a lot of firsts. I guess that was good training for me. Like I, I was a, the first female coaches that coached a senior men's team. I was coaching a reserve grade in Fox. And, you know, I, I knew that I was possibly one of the few or maybe the only one. And so I've, I've had opportunities where I've had to be out there on my own. I'm not always comfortable with it, to be honest, but I know that in order for us to create opportunities and pathways for other women to come into those spaces, that someone's got to go there first. And there's a few girls in those other teams. You guys know them very well. Yeah. So what is it going to be like, you know, to be playing up against... Their mates. Already know, yeah. It is their mates. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, they, oh, well, you know, most of them, they all play um, they all play in the local comp week in, week out. I think for these girls, there's not much, it's not going to be a huge difference, even though they're friends. I think they know, the girls in the squad know that when they put on the Warriors jersey, that that's their teammate, that that's who they're playing alongside. And whoever's not wearing that jersey, they're not their mate, you know, on the field, and they're not wearing the same jersey. That's all good off the field, but you know the way these girls play and the way they think in terms of rugby league and taking and how they take their footies seriously, when they do come up across their mates, it will be a battle regardless of friendship. A competition like this, though, you know, it opens up those opportunities. You can choose, you know, like you've been selected to be selected, mm. basically. Were these players that you potentially approached or you wanted on this side and it didn't quite work out? They'd, they'd already told me that they were, you know, before they'd made that decision, I mean, honey, she had already rung me and told me um, because she did have an intention to come here. And even the other players, like, I had called them to see, you know, I didn't want to assume that they wanted to play for the Warriors. There were other opportunities and some recruitment people from other, the, the NRL Australian clubs um, had already come over here and they'd approached a few of these girls. So it was... To be honest, this early in the competition, I didn't want them to feel obligated to be here if it wasn't what they wanted. It's too early in this competition to kind of dictate where they should go and who they should be. And even for us competing to try and get them here, they have to, for us, it was totally open. I said to the girls, you will play for this club and this jersey if this is where you want to be and if this is what suits your family situation because it doesn't it doesn't suit everyone we've got we have mothers in this team who can't just relocate for a short time just to go and play over there for four six weeks so um, while it suited some to go over there it didn't suit the majority of the girls and you know they went with our blessings because you know for me it was like they needed to be where it suited their family situation. Women's Warriors head coach Louisa Aveiki.
A little more than four months ago, New Zealand boxer Joseph Parker was a world champion in the sports glamour division. The humble heavyweight from South Auckland had fought 24 times as a professional and had his hand raised in victory on all 24 occasions. But after two consecutive losses, Parker finds himself at a crossroads in his career, with some urging him to get out of boxing altogether. Retirement plans are in the pipeline, but as Clay Wilson reports, Joseph Parker isn't done yet. Joseph Parker gave everything at the end, but surely White had accumulated enough Amazing. over the course of it to win and win in style. Well, that shows it's even more dis- Joseph Parker knows his loss to Dillian White nine days ago in London was a setback especially since it came just a few months after he suffered his first professional defeat and had to hand over his WBO world title belt to British star Anthony Joshua. Despite back-to-back losses, the 26-year-old is in good health, with millions of dollars in the bank. But although some have suggested to the contrary, Parker is adamant those are not reasons to step away from the sport. I have a goal and I know what I want to do in boxing and I know that a lot of people have their opinions that I should give up and should stop and should do something else and retire but I think um, you know, it's important that if we decide, you know, we have decided to, to keep fighting because as a team we know what we can achieve and what we can, we can do in the boxing world. This doesn't mean Parker, now a father of two, doesn't have a plan in place to hang up the gloves. He says having two daughters is both the reason he wants to keep fighting and the reason he fully intends to retire before he suffers any significant long-term damage. For me, having two children, I still love what I do and I, I know that um, I have a goal to stop at 30. And uh, the reason why I'm stopping at 30 is because I think that's a great time to, just to stop and spend a lot of time with family. But as long as they're already set up for life, you know, you've know, got to set them up for life and give them a good future and help them. And so I feel like I still have a lot to give in the boxing world, but I know when to stop. It's a feeling that has only been reinforced after his loss to White. Parker yesterday went for a precautionary MRI scan as a result of a nasty head clash in the second round of the bout. But after he hit the rural roads for a run near his new home south of Auckland this morning, his road back to the top is already underway. Promoter David Higgins says, at Parker's request, the conversations concerning his return to the ring have begun in earnest. The goal remains the same, to try and unify the heavyweight division, and that's his decision. I'd never push anyone to box if they didn't want to, but Joseph is still hungry, and it's his career and his body and his life, so he wants to go forward. Um, And so we're targeting hopefully the end of the year for a comeback. It's a comeback that Parker has made clear will include his longtime trainer Kevin Barry. After consecutive losses, some pundits have questioned whether Barry should remain in Parker's corner. As far as the fighter himself is concerned though, it's not a question that needs asking. If I wasn't happy and if I wasn't continuing to learn um, in in training and if I wasn't progressing as a fighter then I'll, I'll look at changing but I'm progressing and getting better all the time which I think and I'm happy. Which opponent Parker and Barry will be preparing for remains to be seen. White, Joshua, American champion Deontay Wilder and former world champ Tyson Fury are all on Parker's hit list. But he knows the equation is not quite that simple. I would love to rematch them and fight them again. I would love to fight Wilder or Tyson Fury right now, but I know that there's a sort of a, a structure in the division and how the rankings go, and I feel like now we have to sort of climb up to the top again. I think it'll take two to three fights or three to four fights before we can fight them again, but... It's just about building and making the most of it. Down for now, but far from out. Joseph Parker is determined his journey as a heavyweight boxer isn't over yet. Call Clay Wilson a hoe. And that's all we have time for on this week's episode of Extra Time. Remember, you can stay up to date with all of our sports stories at radionz.co.nz forward slash sport and on Twitter at RNZ Sport. 
Thanks for joining me. Hey corner. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.